Well, good morning. Good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. I'm so glad we're together. Um, this has been my prayer for you and for us. Psalm 133, a blessing. Behold, how good it is and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil on the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessings, life forevermore. And today we're a people of life evermore. We're a people of faith and the people of his own good pleasure. We've been called out of darkness to live and walk in his marvelous light. If there's a people on earth who has something to praise and rejoice in, it's us. Amen? Amen. And so this morning we're going to do that. We're going to praise and we're going to worship. And, and we're going to seek the Lord. Because we believe. We believe. We believe that God is here. We believe that God is good. We believe that God is holy and pure and all-powerful and all-knowing. We're going to tap into a source today that exceeds our own abilities. Because our, our understanding is pretty limited. Would you all agree? Our knowledge, pretty small. Yeah, our understanding and knowledge is pretty, pretty small compared to infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom. And we're going to tap into infinite love because our love can be very small too. And we're going to tap into infinite faith, that our faith would grow. And we're going to watch as God answers this prayer of how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity, when we dwell together in Jesus. So Lord Jesus, we approach you together. Let's stand together, family. Lord, you say in your word that how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Well, this morning we dwell together in the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus... Lord, there is salvation, that in the name of Jesus there is light and there is life, that in the name of Jesus there is freedom and peace. Lord, in the name of Jesus there is life. And so this morning we proclaim your name, Jesus. We declare you praises our Father in heaven. Holy Spirit, hover over this place as you hovered over the darkness that, that Father, you proclaimed and brought forth light in Christ. Let there be light. Let there be light this morning. That, Lord, you would move in this place. That you'd bring about transformation in this place. That, Lord, you would, you would reside in the praises of your people. We thank you this morning for your love and your grace and your goodness. I pray that, that God, you would be permeating the homes of those who, who are watching right now. Permeate those, those homes. Bring that beautiful light and grace into those living rooms. That, Lord, we are dwelling together in unity. That even we, while we're separated, Lord, physically, we are together in your spirit. Move in power. And may we be moved to humility. To seek you. To pray to you and to worship. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Firewheel. How are you? You guys ready to praise Jesus? Yeah? 
Come on, you can do better than that. You ready to praise Jesus? Let's do it.
Sorry, I have some technical difficulties in our ears. I apologize. <laughs> I'm not trying to drag it out, I promise. <laughs>
Let's sing that again. And this time, let this be our prayer. Lord, I need you. Oh, I There you go. Get us on key. There it is. Every that is our prayer. Lord, we need you more than we need breath. We need you as our very food and our very drink. Our souls are hungry. Our hearts long for you. Oh, show us how much we need you. How we need you with every fiber of our being. For every minute of our life, we need you for our families. We need you we need you in our life. That you would permeate every part of our life, that you would bring us to a place of absolute desperation where we cry out to you, Lord, I need you. And we come to discover that you are the one who meets those needs. You are the one who meets the needs, uh, needs of our, our souls and our, our hearts and our minds and our very life. God, you are the one who meets our need. And we need you. So this morning, on my heart, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. And I'm going to teach you a verse, a part of a verse and uh, you're going to memorize it, and you're going to take this with you as you walk out of here, I guarantee it. And some of you are like, I don't do scripture memory. There's no way I'm going to memorize this. I'm like, you're going to walk out of here with this. And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you need to have a little bit more faith. You're walking out of here with this. God's never going to let you forget this. This is going to be written on the fabric and the tablet of your heart. This is going to be a reminder throughout the week. When you stumble or you fall and you think to yourself, wow, I've done it now. <laughs> when you're looking at everything and you're like, there's just no way. I, I can't figure this out. This, this, these words are going to come back to you and you're going to repeat them throughout the week. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to declare this over your children. And you're going to de declare this over your spouses. You're going to declare it over your businesses and your fellow employees. You're going to declare this promise, and you're going to build your life this week on this promise. You ready for the verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful. Y'all can remember that, can't you, huh? Let's, let's start. You all are going to be God, and then you're going to say is, and you're going to say faithful. Y'all ready? With every fiber of your being. God is faithful. Amen. Y'all want to do it again? Come on. Church, we should enjoy this, right? 
Let's proclaim it. God is faithful when we are not, right? And so this morning, we're going to give our offering. And I'm going to ask that you pray for me. Because I need more faith. There is something that the Lord has been putting on my heart for a long, long time. And I've known it, but I've been scared. I know that the Lord has been calling me to give a full tithe to take a full 10% of what God has entrusted to our family and to give it as an act of worship and an act of ministry to the church. And I've danced around it, and I've wandered around it, and I've looked in on it, and and I've I've kind of tested the waters just a little bit. But you know what? I often often, uh, pray prayers that that I can answer. Did you all hear that? You hear the subtle idolatry in that? the subtle self-worship, I often pray prayers that I can answer. And God's been moving on my heart to start praying prayers that only God can answer. And this is an impossibility because I often lean on my own understanding and I do that heavily with my finances. I try to figure it out. I try to look at the month and I try to make my plan and I'm like, okay, Lord, you just show me, I'm going to go ahead and pay for everything. You show me what's left over and I'm going to go ahead and give that to you. But the Lord's saying, no, you give what is mine first. And so I'm going to ask you as a church, will you pray for your pastor? Will you pray for me? And pray that God would give me the faith and give our family the faith to give a full tithe to the church. And if that's something that that has been on your heart and you've been kind of dancing around and thinking about it, I'm going to ask that you willingly today just say, Lord, I pray for that kind of faith as well. All right, so will you put your hand up like this? Just kind of aim it at me. Would you mind? Because I covet your prayers. I want more faith. And so, Lord, this morning I pray over your congregation as they pray for me. Lord, your scripture tells me that you are faithful. That means you are going to do things that are going to require me to step out in faith. That for me to see you as faithful, I have to trust you as faithful. I'm going to have to trust that when I step out in faith, that, Lord, I'm going to be stepping on rock that this convincing mind of mine convinces me that, that somehow if I don't plan, if I don't, if I don't make it all work, it's not going to work, and somehow you're not going to be faithful. That's not me trusting you. And so, Lord, I pray for the church, as the church prays for me, that you would move us to faith, that we would honor you, that we would trust you with a full tie, that we would give you the first fruits of what you've entrusted to us, that you would stir in us a radical heart of generosity, That, Lord, just yesterday I was asked, do I want to round up the change so that folks can have some extra food? And I tell you, Lord, I can't tell you how many times I've said no. It's for a few pennies. Oh, radically soften our hearts to generosity, that we be a people that we would declare, not just with our mouths, but with our pocketbooks, that God is faithful. That you would stir us as a church, that as a ministry, we would be faithful and generous to give. And so, Lord, we thank you because when we pray and we pray by faith and we pray according to your word, we know that it's yes and amen. Amen. And so, Lord, we declare that today. We declare yes and amen because as we have proclaimed with our hearts and our voices, you are faithful. So we rejoice today the privilege we have. Give us the faith 
your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's say it one more time. All right, y'all, the baskets are about to be passed. Let's declare that. Amen? Amen. Amen.
morning, Firewheel. As you can tell, I'm not Keegan McCarthy. He's out, you know, in the state of California. So I'm taking his place this morning, presenting you guys with some announcements. So for our first announcement, it's one I'm really excited for. We got our outdoor worship and baptism potluck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what this is going to uh, consist of, it's going to be October the 3rd. It's going to be a, a normal service. It's going to be outside. Uh, you know, we're going to watch some people get baptized. And then afterwards, you know, you guys should bring a side dish for the, you know, the potluck lunch, which I'm really excited for because I love eating. Like, that's like, it's my favorite activity. Uh, our next uh, announcement is our engaged fall retreat. Now, uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys did that. Like, it'd be really awkward if just were silent. All right, so it's going to be titled Kaleo, which stands for The Calling. Um, it's $40 per person. If you want any more information, you can contact Joshwin right over there. Our next announcement is the Chili Cook-Off and Pie Contest. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to uh, be October 17th, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one. Our next one is Sew Together. Uh, this is going to be the first and third Saturday of October, I'm pretty sure. E probably, yeah. Um, and what it's, it's going to be is people coming together in the community, you know, coming together to sew. You don't even have to know how to sew. Like, there's people that are, like, you know, they, they are, like, experts, and there's people that don't even know what they're doing. And you can come. You don't even need a machine. So, yeah, it's a great way to get plugged into the community. Uh, I really recommend going. Our next is softball and golf. Yeah. Excited for this one. Uh, softball is October the 16th. I'm pretty sure it's $50 per uh, person. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's all I have this morning. Thank you. <laughs> here, come here. Come here. So this is my son, 15. And, and Joe, I just want to tell you, I am proud of you. 
I am grateful to God for you. I turned my mic off. Hey, that's okay. Moving I y'all can read. So, uh, I mean, if you don't know the announcements because someone don't tell you, they're up there. Get plugged in, right? We got to do this stuff. But I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of the man that you're becoming. And uh, the heart that you have for people and the heart that you have for the Lord. And uh, God's going to powerfully use you. And he's going to do great things through you. And I'm so honored to have you uh, as a son. I thank God for you. Yeah, come here. He loved that I gave him a kiss in public. <laughs> All right, let's see it. Bibles, let's raise those Bibles up, whether they're digital and print. Nice. Look at all those Bibles. All right, let's see those sermon buddies. We got a sermon buddy, got a pen. We got a pen out there. You ready to write? Because God's going to speak. Uh, let's see here. What else? Uh, pads, any pads out there? Any pads ready to write? Look at y'all. Ready. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. Because we are ready for some sound biblical teaching. Amen? Amen. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 4. We all know that. We're, we're uh, steadily and slowly making our way through Matthew. We're not in a hurry uh, because God has, has something to say to us on every single page of the Scripture. There's always something for our spiritual life. So I want to share a story. I like stories. Stories are good. Uh, our family went on a family vacation uh, this, this summer, and uh, we went out to the promised land, Southern California. I just want to let you know that's whatever. I know Texans are like, Texans, Texas is the promised land. I'm like, I agree. It's pretty sweet. Anyway, so we went out to Southern California just to visit, and then we were driving back. We went to the Carlsbad Caverns. Any of y'all been to Carlsbad Caverns? I had heard about it, and people talked about it, and I was like, what's the big deal? It's like just a big hole in the ground? I'm like, why would he go there? Well, anyway, we went there, and it's not just a hole in the ground. I mean, it is actually, no, it is. It's a huge hole in the ground, um, but it's way cooler than I ever thought it was going to be. This is a, a picture of us walking down into it. I mean, this is, it's crazy. Uh, it's like standing in front of the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it looks fake. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you're like standing in front of the Grand Canyon, you're like, did somebody paint this? Is this a movie set? That's what it felt like. And so we're walking down, and here's the next picture. We're walking deeper into the cave, um, deeper into the cave, a little deeper, a little bit farther than that, a little, a little bit farther. Is the computer frozen? Oh, yeah, computers. Oh, there we are. Nice. So we're going down this trail. A little we get a little deeper, and there's this point where you actually look back. Next picture where we're looking back and uh, we, we're leaving the light. Yeah, it's crazy. And there's actually a point where natural light stops. Like there's no more natural light. And you kind of switch to artificial light. But if there was no artificial light, this is what the cave, this is all we would see is this. Y'all hear that? Hey Chandler, Chandler, are you still in here? I think we got some hot mics on the stage. So if you can just kind of pull those down if you get a chance. Chandler? Yeah, I think we got some mics that are still on the stage. So if you bring up the next slide. There should be a black screen. I know what I'm talking about. It should just be a totally blank screen. <laughs> okay. I want you to imagine a totally black screen. Did I delete it? I must have deleted it. 
It was going to be such a, it is an, an amazing point. So here's the deal. As you cross over this barrier, there's nothing but darkness. And, and as we crossed into that, that dark zone, there's actually a plaque there, what, what was pictured and what I saw was, yeah, there was a physical darkness, but I was thinking this actually conveys a far more significant spiritual reality because we actually live in a world of far greater darkness, spiritual darkness. And, and in this world, we ache for the light. We absolutely ache for it. Dawning. Yeah. All right, we're going to read the passage. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so at this point in time, as we are going through the book of Matthew, Jesus is now leaving the wilderness of temptation, and he is headed north. And we are told that he headed for Galilee. And it is a very specific turn in Jesus's ministry. Now the public ministry of Jesus is going to begin as we unfold the gospel of Matthew. But we're told that John had been arrested. It's kind of an ominous note as we read that in verse 12. John, the preacher of righteousness, he stood against the wicked decisions and plans of the Roman governor, Herod, and it cost him his life. You know, I'm reminded that to stand for righteousness, to stand for truth, is, it's, a, it's a costly decision. That there are people in and around the world who are taking a stand for truth. They are taking a stand for Christ, and it costs them their life. It is a bold thing to take a stand for Christ. But it is also a very costly thing. And John was willing to give of his very life that he might decrease, that Christ might increase. Jesus begins his ministry. And, and what's on my mind as I think about John the Baptist is that our hearts uh, should break and our prayers should be uh, Lord, give us a greater willingness to stand for righteousness. Give us a greater uh, heart to stand for you, Jesus. But also let us pray for those who are in and around the world who are being persecuted right now. That we would pray for the persecuted church and the persecuted Christians that are taking a stand for righteousness in a world that, that literally is killing them. Uh, let us not forget the persecuted church. Amen, church? 
Yeah, sometimes we forget. Things get real comfy here. And we forget that for, for many in the world, that to bear the name of Christ is a death sentence. Matthew 4.13, the scripture tells us it's time for Jesus' earthly ministry to begin. And he leaves Nazareth, and he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And I, I just want you to keep in mind, as we're going through the gospel of Matthew, it's not necessarily in chronological order. Okay, so John, it, it, it's more of a theological order. And, and y'all, who is, who is Matthew writing to? Come on, y'all, you remember this. I know it's been a few weeks. He's writing to the Jews. That's right. And so he's making a theological argument that Jesus is what? He's the king. Yeah, Jesus, Savior, Christ. There you go. And so we have this theological argument because what's actually happened about a year has transpired from the, from the moment that Jesus left the wilderness and John being arrested. But as we read through Matthew's gospel, just keep in mind it's not necessarily chronological, but at this moment, this is very significant, that Jesus moves from his home city of Nazareth to the city of Capernaum. And we read in Luke the reason that Jesus leaves Nazareth and discontinues his ministry in Nazareth is because that a prophet has no honor in his home country. There was a hardness of heart in the region and the, in, in the city of Nazareth. And I think some of us have experienced that kind of experience that, that it is the hardest place to share Jesus in our own families, isn't it? It's hard for us in our, in our own households and in our own families and our gatherings to, to share the name of Jesus. Sometimes that's the hardest soil, isn't it? And so Jesus moves to the city of Capernaum. Here's a map. You all know I love maps. There's a reason why, by the way, that I always put up a map is because this is actual history. This is actual geography. This took place in real time and space. It brings the Bible to life. And so you have Jesus leaving Nazareth and heading for the city of Capernaum. And it's a, it's a very strategic place. Not only is it the city of a, a few guys, few fishermen, by the name of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You might have heard of them. Y'all heard of those guys? Uh, next week, we're going to meet them and, and their call to follow Jesus. It is strategic in the sense also that it, from the shores of Capernaum, you could pretty much sail anywhere in and around the region of Galilee. But there's a more significant reason that Jesus moves to this particular reason, and we see it referenced in, in two names, Zebulun and Naphtali. And, and for us as Bible students, we may not understand what that's referring to, but what it's, what it's doing is it's reminding us of, of historical allotments. And there's a reason for that. Because the region of Zebulun and Naphtali was a specific place that when the children of Israel entered into the promised land, the land was broken up into 11 parcels. And so let me show you what that looks like on a map, the ancient boundary markers. So here is Naphtali, and you'll see that bounces or butts up right against the Sea of Galilee and Zebulun. So there's this reference to these ancient boundary markers, which leads us to ask the question, like, why? Why does Matthew reference these ancient boundary markers? Well, the Jewish reader probably would have known. Just as we've seen multiple times through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is a fulfillment, okay? He is the fulfillment of the ancient promises and prophecies made in the Old Testament. So here we, we look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Matthew's going to, he's going to reference a prophecy out of Isaiah's gospel that 750 years before Jesus took on our flesh and was born of a virgin, Isaiah the prophet looked forward 
and he, he began to have a vision of, of a region and, and in this particular place of, of the, the spiritual condition and that the light was going to break forth from this, from this spot on earth. Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Why does Jesus move to this region? So that what was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, that the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Listen to this. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. You see, Jesus was not drawn to this region just for the region itself. He was drawn to this particular region because of the people. There was a people in this particular region. He was drawn to it. Not only was he destined for it, but he was drawn to it. And, and here's the reason. Jesus was being drawn to people, the people who were dwelling in spiritual darkness. You see, Jesus is always drawn to the dark. He's always drawn to the darkness and the shadows of death because he is the light. And so when we, when we look at this, this particular geographical area, had we, had we gone back in time, like how we, if we take a trip to the Holy Land, which by the way would be really awesome as a church, wouldn't it? To be able to visit the land of Israel, to actually go and stand on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. I pray that for our church, that we have that kind of experience. And so as, as Jesus entered into this region, you know what he would have encountered? A pretty nice place. Uh, nice homes, good property values. You know, it would have been a great place to vacation. The beaches were nice, good schools, lots of nice synagogues that kind of dotted the landscape. You know, on the surface, if you had said it was a region of death, you would have looked at it and been like, it looks pretty nice. This looks like a pretty good place. Well, as I started thinking about this, what, what the Lord really put on my heart is what appears on the surface doesn't tell the whole spiritual story. What appears on the surface does not tell the whole spiritual story. This week, uh, I walk the, the neighborhoods and uh, the surrounding uh, communities that surround the church, and, and as I prayed and re read some scripture, I began to think, Lord, how, how bad can things be? I mean, really? You know, I was, I was walking by really nice lawns, well-grimmed landscaping, uh, nice brickwork, uh, beautiful stained fences and uh, nice ornate front doors. There were nice cars parked out front. I mean, we got, we got good parks and good schools and good roads, except for Toller. <laughs> Toller's not a good road. I mean, that's a great place to lose a, a muffler. Anyway, I'm like walking around, and I'm like, how bad can it be? You know, as I, as I started thinking about it, on the surface, everything looks good. I mean, are people really suffering? I mean, is there, is there spiritual and physical darkness? Is, is there the shadow of death stretching out over our suburban homes? Is that really what's below the surface? That as I, as I walked around Ace Hardware, which by the way, Rowlett got an ace. Very excited about that. I love Ace Hardware. I'm an ace geek. And so I'm walking around, and uh, Madeline's like, so how much money did you spend at Ace? A lot. No, I didn't. I just walked around, but I, I did buy some things. Anyway, um, it's literally like right behind my house, which really is stoking me out right now. Anyway, so I'm walking around Ace, and I'm asking the question, below the surface, are these people 
really experiencing what is described as darkness. Is the shadow of death like stretching over their life? I'm like, they look, they seem happy. I mean, people are out walking their dogs and smiling and waving at neighbors. And, and uh, you know, in the grocery store, I'm like, is that the spiritual condition of those who are in the store as, as we're going around and buying our groceries and, 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 and we're in the drive-through at Chick-fil-A and we're about to order our waffle fries and lemonade and chicken sandwiches? I'm like, is that really, is that really what's beneath the surface of the waffle fry? But it was like in that very moment, the Lord whispered to my soul, Chris, look beneath the surface. Look beneath the surface. You see, beneath the surface of the suburban sprawl, I believe is the painful gasp of desperation. I believe that there are those who are trapped in spiritual darkness and experiential death. Because anywhere there are people, there is darkness. That is, in fact, the best description of the spiritual life. It, it, like, no matter how nice a neighborhood we live in, apart from the light, there is darkness. But as long as there's people in neighborhoods, there's darkness there. There is, there is the darkness of broken marriages. There is no darker place on earth than a marriage that is on the rocks. There's something beautiful about that moment when we say I do and we covenant ourselves together and then all of a sudden we're in this dark place, this hole. There is nothing darker than abused children and broken homes. The darkness of addiction you know, I, I think about that because Rowlett has more liquor stores than we have, like, any other store. And, and I was thinking about, like, they're always full from 10 a.m. on. And I wondered, I was like, how many of us are drowning or attempting to drown our darkness in booze? Um, how about the darkness of terminal disease and incurable sickness? The darkness of anxiety, depression, and fear. There's so much fear and so much anxiety and depression in that dark shadow. Um, the darkness of self-hatred and self-harm and suicide. The darkness of loneliness and isolation. The, the darkness of a life lived apart from Jesus. There is darkness beneath the freshly mowed yards. That's what the Lord was showing me. That there was darkness behind the freshly stained fences and, and, and the beautiful doors and the nice cars and beneath the waffle fry. What is your darkness today? What is your darkness today? What are the shadows in your life? See, I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 1 that, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And that's been my prayer this whole week. I have prayed over every single chair. If you're sitting in a chair, I prayed for you. And I prayed that just as the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness of the deep, that the Spirit of God would be hovering over our church this morning, that the first declared words of God that break upon the page 
the very first words that God ever spoke that we have recorded in our Bible, three words or four words, let there be light. And light broke into the darkness. Family, that light is Jesus. Just as John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. That to walk with Christ is to walk in the light as he is in the light. And we are promised we will have the light of life. That is a promise we can build our lives on. Just as John chapter 12, verse 46 tells us that Jesus has come into the world as what? As light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That tells me we don't have to stay in the dark. We don't have to stay in the darkness. That darkness is a thief and it's a liar. It says hide. It says conceal. It says pretend and smile. But Jesus says come out of that darkness and come into the light. It is not the will of God that we, we remain in darkness. It is not the will of God that we cower under the shadow of death. It is the will of God that we step into the light, and that light is Jesus. But we are told in the scriptures that some are actually repulsed by the light. They flee from it. I don't know if you've ever had the experience if you walk into a room and you turn the light on and all of a sudden the roaches scatter. You ever seen that? That's when you're like, I'm calling the exterminator. <laughs> but that's what it's like. You see the light goes on and some people scatter. John chapter 3 verses 19 through 20. Jesus declared, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Why would we love the darkness? The darkness is death. But we are told that some cling to wicked things as if they're precious things, that some cling to evil as if it's good. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works or her works should be exposed. The people that love darkness hate Jesus. There is a hatred for Jesus because Jesus is the light. That is why people turn from the name. That is why people flee from it because beneath the surface, there's darkness in there. We are told that some Christians proclaiming themselves to be walking in the light are actually walking in the darkness. I will often have people tell me that God is blessing this decision or that decision, and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, God's not blessing that. God won't bless that. And there's times where people are trying to convince themselves that God's going to bless the very things God hates. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, John proclaims, this is the message we have heard from him, and we proclaim it to you. This is the message that they heard. God is what? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, what do we do? We lie, and we don't practice the truth. 
There are some who say they, they're walking in light right now. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. How are you doing? Oh, glory be to God. But just beneath the surface, there's no truth there. The glory be to God is a lie. Oh, praise the Lord, it's a, it's a cover-up, it's a smokescreen. How often I, I talk to people who claim to be walking in the light while they're in darkness. I have people all the time tell me, Chris, this is, this is who my God is. This is who my God is. This is who my God is. And then somehow use that as a means or a mechanism to justify some crazy decision in their life. And I, I, I just want to look at them and be like, that's not God. Uh, by the way, when you say that's who my God is, there's only one true God. You don't have a God, and you don't have a God, and you don't have a God that's real. We don't, there's only one God. So when I listen to people talk, and they're like, oh, my God is this, or my God is that, I'm like, that God don't exist. Because there's one true God. Hero Israel and hero church. The Lord thy God, the Lord is one. And we shall love that God we shall love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and with all of our vitality and strength. Yeah. Let the light in. Let the light in to your marriage. Let the light into your parenting. Let the light of Jesus into your depression and your fear and your anxiety. Let the light of Jesus into your soul. Turn from the darkness to his marvelous light. Oh, the light. You know, Jesus began to preach throughout Galilee. It's a very familiar message to us. As students of the Gospel of Matthew, he picks up the words of John and starts preaching them, which makes us wonder if John was treated to arrest and death, what's going to happen with Jesus? Why he came. Arrest, suffering, death on a cross, so that his light could break into the darkness. Because once he rose from the grave, light. Jesus from that time began to preach Matthew 4, 17, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. It is such a beautiful word. Oh, what a good word. Repentance is beautiful. It's a blessing. You know, the Lord has broken my heart. You know, this week I... I spent each morning walking around the property, and I prayed, and, and the Lord and I did some work together. Let's, let's be honest. The Lord was doing work on me. And I had to repent. You know, it's interesting. In Matthew 16, we're told that, that Jesus will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And that to the church, he would delegate authority. He'd give the keys of the kingdom that, that, what, is, that what is bound on earth would be bound in heaven, that what is loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. And, and I had to just repent and confess that, gosh, Lord, I can't tell you how long I've been trying to build my church. Mm. 
You know, Jesus never said, I will build Chris's church. The gates of hell will not prevail. No, the gates of hell will prevail against something I build. The Lord Jesus did not say, I will build my church firewheel and, and the gates of hell will not prevail. No, he said, I'll build my church. And I'm reminded, I was, I was reminded of this, this moment where Joshua, he was about to enter in and, and they were about to, to face off with Jericho, which by the way was a pretty radical miracle in and of itself. You all know the story of Jericho? How rad is that? Uh, I need you to walk around the city once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. All the while, you're blowing some horns. When you get to the seventh lap, the priests are going to blow the horns, and y'all are just going to shout. And 50-foot walls that are 30 feet thick, made of like solid material and rock, they're just going to fall down. And the people were like, okay. Sounds like a plan. Well, what would it look like if we had that kind of faith? So I'm walking around, and I'm reminded of the, the vision and the experience that Joshua had where the angel of the Lord's army had drawn his sword. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And the angel said, no. No. You see, the Lord is for the Lord. And the Lord told Joshua to take his shoes off. For where he stood was holy. And the Lord had me take my shoes off and stand in the dirt and then kneel in it and repent and confess. What a blessing. Because now I can be of service to him that the Lord would build his church. Because Jesus is the bread of life, amen? Jesus is living water. Jesus is the light of the world. Repentance is a blessing. To be able to allow the scriptures to permeate our hearts, that the Lord would bring about a, a greater confession, that there would be a greater cleansing. Oh, when we turn from darkness to the kingdom of God, that is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. If you do not have these verses highlighted in your Bible, Yo, bust out your highlighter and your pen and your camera. Take these verses with you. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, that we would be a church that would proclaim. We would proclaim Christ. And we would proclaim the one who, is, who has called us out of darkness. He called us by name into his marvelous light. That once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we've received mercy. Amazing. There was this distinct moment on our hike. See, we hiked in and hiked out. We were those weirdos. Because they got an elevator, but we we're like, we're going to hike in, we're going to hike out. It was, it was actually awesome. And um, 
as we were going back up the trail and winding through the darkness and artificial light, which, by the way, is just the, the reality of this life. We're just surrounded by artificial light. People claim to see the light, and they're like seeing the light in all these different things, and it's artificial. It's fake. It's not real. And we were winding around the path, and there was that barrier, that moment where the natural light stopped and the artificial light was required, but then there was that point where you crossed back over that barrier where the natural light broke in, and this is what we saw. And, it, and as I thought about this this week, it was like the Lord saying, step out of the darkness and into the light. Christian, you who are living in darkness today, step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To the marriages that are on the rocks, step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To you who are in the grips of addiction, step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To you who are in the shadows of depression and anxiety and fear, step out of the darkness and into the light. Worship team, come on up here. Family, if you are suffering the quiet and agonizing suburban death, step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To you students who may put on a smile, but you are quietly suffering, step out of the darkness and into the light. To you who are the behind-the-scenes sinner with the public and polished persona, step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To the young and to the old and everything in between, step out of the darkness and into his glorious, marvelous light. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever walks in darkness will have the light of life. And so this morning before we leave and before we go back out and before we shut the door, we're going to have opportunity to respond. If you feel that the Lord is calling you by name today, whatever your darkness is, if it's your darkness of marriage or if it's the darkness of, of, of parenting, the darkness of, of, uh, of sickness, terminal illness, if it's the darkness of your soul, if you are, if you are facing this life without Jesus, if you're walking through this life without Christ, and you know that the Lord is calling you I'm going to ask that our prayer partners come on down. Elders, come on down. And they're going to be waiting for you. We're going to be waiting for you. Come. Y'all, let's sing. stand together and let's worship and let's pray that God moves in the hearts and moves in power
by faith we would cry out I need Jesus I need rescue my sin is heavy but I know that Jesus will set me free all right family let's sing it I needed rescue my sin was heavy but my chains break at the weight of the glory I needed shelter I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of
Isn't it awesome? Isn't church awesome? As Jesus builds his church, isn't that incredible? A people set free. Our chains are broken. Wow. All right, family, it's time. It's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again on Wednesday night as we study the scriptures. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's carry that love out into the world because this world needs Jesus. Let's proclaim the name. Have a great week. Thank you.